0: Welcome to the Red Door Church Sermon Podcast. Red Door Church is a church seeking to transform the city of Pretoria by the power of the gospel. We are distinctly mission-minded, community-cultivating, and city-loving. Please enjoy this week's sermon, and don't forget to follow and continue the conversation by sharing with those around you. Good morning, church good to be with you all this morning. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Reinhard Orankis. I'm the pastor here at Red Door Church. Morning, Abby. Welcome. It's good to have you. Special word of welcome. Um, well, it was great. Zane, thanks for sharing. It's so sort of good. That's, that's ultimately what we want to do. We come together for Sunday worship, but we want the word of God, we want the gospel that we believe to penetrate every area of our lives. We want to communicate even on, on Sunday mornings that this isn't it. This is a great pit stop for Christians, but the real work is actually when we enter into the world. And God has sovereignly placed us in different areas to use us. And so it's encouraging to hear how and to see how God has been using Zane, not only in his physical work, but also in the people that he's been spending time with. Family, we're in this series called Red Door Roots or Returning to the Roots, where we're kind of chatting about. And going through, what are the core distinctives here at Red Door? So if you're checking us out, or if you're here for the first time, it's a good series to become a part of. Last week, we chatted about the distinctive that we want to be known as a community cultivating church. This morning, we're chatting about what it means to be mission-minded. We want to be known as people who are mission-minded. And next week, we're going to see and look at what it means to be city-loving. Well, since the inception of the idea of planting a church in Pretoria, Uh, Janine and I spoke a lot about this. And from the beginning, we wanted to be a missional church. That is, a church that reaches its community, a church that reaches the non-Christians where it's based. And so we were influenced, and we spent a lot of time chatting with a guy called Todd Moore. He's got an organization called Missional Made Simple, And they've been helping churches all over the world do exactly that. And so a lot of what we're saying today and a lot of the structures of the church is actually as a result of the good work that Todd and his team has been doing. And they've been doing this free of charge, just giving material to people, giving training freely to everyone. And so we want to thank God and praise God for them. And even a lot of the ideas that I'm going to share today aren't my original thoughts, but it's actually a lot of the things that I gleaned and learned from them that we kind of interpreted for our own context. And so we praise God for people like that. Family, there's been a lot of prayer, but I'm gonna do a quick prayer for our hearts as we dive into God's word right now. Father, we acknowledge that the enemy is real, that there are real challenges facing not only us, but Christians all around the world. In different ways, shapes, or form, but even this morning, we are bound together by the unity of your spirit and sitting under your word. So we pray, change our hearts this morning. Please don't allow us to behold your glory and to leave here unchanged. Do this for your glory. Amen. There's been an interesting trend that scientists and medical doctors have been following in the U.S., that have been happening to people that retire completely, people that have been working for 40 or 50 odd years, and the moment when they abruptly retire, even though they're in good health, there's a trend growing where we see people physically, mentally, and emotionally decline the moment that they retire which is kind of counterintuitive. You would think that someone is actually working towards retirement, working towards the space where they can put their feet up and at least, or at long last, rest a little bit from all the work that they've been doing. But it's actually the opposite. People struggle in retirement. Physically, they see some mental degradation where they actually go backwards. And one of the reasons that scientists believe or that medical doctors believe the reason for this is, is a lack of purpose. Where people that were made to be purpose-driven, people that needed reason to get up in the morning. And what we're seeing with a lot of people on vocation, this isn't true of everyone, but definitely from a few. The moment they lose that sense of purpose, it's almost like they lose their drive to achieve something in life. And a lot of this is actually illustrated by their jobs. Now what's interesting this morning is that principle of having a purpose and that uh, actually firing up the flame of, of enthusiasm is not just true from people in their work life, but also true of Christians. I've seen this many a time. People who actually come to Christ... Or similarly to what Zane experienced, maybe you've been a Christian for a while, but you had this gospel awakening, and you again realized how good and precious the gospel is, and you're excited about the gospel, and you want to learn more about what this is, and what it means to be a Christian, and what it means to be part of a church, and you go to church, and you go to all the small groups, and you do all the churchy type stuff. But after a year, it kind of tapers down, and it dies out. And we see that other people leave the church or their faith just kind of dwindles, and they just go through the motions time and time and time again. and the reason for this is because it almost never clicks over that not only do you have a new identity of Christ when you become a Christian, but you actually have a purpose. We learn so many times about what it means to be in Christ and what he has done for us and what that means and what I 've been given. And yet we never click over to then ask ourselves, so what does this mean for my day-to-day life? What is the purpose for me being saved instead of just enjoying the mercies and blessings of Christ? And that's what this morning is about. That is what one of the core distinctives is about Red Door Church. We believe not only are we saved to a relationship and for relationship and in relationship with one another in the church, but we're actually given a new purpose as a church and as individuals. We are all called to the mission field. This is summed up perfectly in Jesus in Matthew 28, commissioning us, giving us a new purpose as individuals, saying, you are my disciples, go and make disciples of all nations of the earth, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe and obey everything that I've taught you, everything that you've seen from me. And behold, I'm with you until the end of the age. And that is being mission-minded. And so four things this morning that I want us to recognize, the the almost the four principles of what it means to be mission-minded, especially in this context and in Pretoria, is that it is identity-driven. Being mission-minded is identity-driven. It happens in community. It is in step with the Holy Spirit. And it is intentional. Those are the four things that we're going to look at this morning. And so let's dive in that it is identity-driven, very much on the same trend that we've been starting off. This is the first and most important thing that we need to note about what it means to be mission-minded, and that is that it is identity-driven. That means this is not something that we should try and do. This is not something that we need to try and develop. This is something who we are. Read with me the verses from verse 17 out of today's text. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that in Christ was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of of reconciliation. When we become a Christian, it says that we are transformed into a new being. We are renewed into a new image. And this image is the image of Christ. We are sons and daughters of God. And so to understand exactly what that means, what this identity is, we need to understand who God is. If we're made into the image of Christ, we've got to ask the question who is Jesus? Who is the Godhead? Who is the Trinity? God is a God of movement. We see right from the beginning that God, out of the overflow of his being, reached out and created the universe. And out of that, he created mankind into his own likeness. And even when we sinned and we rebelled against this good God, he went after us. He kept on moving. He kept out reaching out to us. He gave the covenant promises. He gave the law and the prophets to call people back to him. He wanted to be in amongst his people. So he gave the temple and the temple rituals. The whole time, God was moving towards us, moving towards people, trying to gather us back to him. Ultimately, in the pinnacle of this, a missionary God was to send Jesus. Jesus came and he died and was resurrected for him. Uh, From the dead, and when he rose on high, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, sent to the church. We continually see that this is the being of who God is moving outward, moving to those unreached, gathering people to himself, giving the Spirit to embolden the church. God is a missional God. This is the essence of who God is, this is the overflow of his being constantly reaching out through his goodness, wanting people to turn to him. That is why the text says that God has reconciled us to himself and given us now this ministry of reconciliation, this glorious message that through Jesus, God is not holding people's trespasses against them, but coming back into relationship with them. God is not the eager judge wanting to punish us at every corner. He is the good father eager to bring us close to him into relationship. Eager to bless and love and lavishly shower us with his presence, with himself. This is who God is. Those who are in Christ are then made to be in his likeness. That is why the concept of being a missionary or going on missions does not exist. Hold on, let me explain that. (laughs) You don't become a missionary. If you're a Christian, then you are a missionary. It's just where we do our missions work. Verse 20 says that we are ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal known through us. An ambassador is someone representing and speaking on behalf of someone else. This is what God wants us to represent, to be full-time missionaries. Everyone. Full time employed by God. The problem, oftentimes, in a westernized culture is that Christians believe that they need to be qualified first before they can be missionaries. Uh, That is, people who share Jesus with other people. We somehow made a very basic truth very complex thinking that we need to attend a course or a Bible study or know the right things before I can share Christ with the people around me. And don't get me wrong, I'm all for courses, I'm all for Bible studies and knowing more about the Bible and understanding your faith more, but we made it a prerequisite to become a missionary. Everything we need has been given to us at conversion. And that is our own experience of the gospel. Being as missionary or being a missionary is as simple as this. That which you experienced from God, now go and share with someone else. That's it. Everything else, though good, is fine-tuning. It's just being more strategic, more impactful. But it t- doesn't take away from the core truth to which we've all been called to. Sharing Jesus. Being mission-minded has got nothing to do with gifting. I know a lot of us say, well, I'm a teacher in the church. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be at Little Light's discipleship. Uh, I'm better at just helping out at church or moving chairs. That's my gifting. Other people who are more extroverted, who know more about the Bible, who can better connect with the people around them and can give answers to those who argue or ask questions. They are the missionaries, the professionals. I'll leave it to them. Those who are employed by the church or other organizations, they're the ones that are going to go and make Jesus known. And friends, family, know that it's got nothing to do with gifting and everything to do with identity. And church, you know what's great about this, the fact that it isn't about your gifting or how well you can share Christ, but rather your experience about Christ. Above and beyond the fact that God has already given you everything that you need is that you can relax you can be yourself. There's nothing that you need to prove or need to know before you can immediately start sharing yourself with the people around you and consequently sharing the gospel message of Jesus with the people around you. For if Christ is our central love, the one upon which we want to dwell upon and the one which we make the central piece of our lives, the thing that which we orient our lives around, when we share ourselves with people, and come into a relationship with other people, inadvertently we will also share Jesus with those people. And this kind of brings us to the second point. Not only is it identity-driven, this is who we are, but being mission-minded happens in community. God has given us everything that we needed to, be, to live as missionaries, ambassadors, but he has also given us community to do this with. There might be times and situations where you go solo, where we send someone behind enemy lines to live as a missionary and that doesn't have this gift of community. But throughout the Bible, we see that most of missionary living actually happens within the church community. Even Jesus went about his mission work gathering people around him, sharing his life with the people and allowing them to do ministry as well. Isn't that great? That God has designed the church not only to give him glory and not only to equip us as the saints, but also to be this vehicle through which he can reach the world. The church itself is this great witness of grace and love within community. Yet on this point, we need to be very clear. Not only are we mission-minded as individuals, but as the church, we are mission-minded as well. This, that means that this community exists To reach the world out there and it might sound straightforward, but in the culture that I grew up The evangelistic strategy was simply to invite people to church once I get them to church My job is done. Then the pastor needs to take over That was the end of my evangelistic strategy I just keep bugging someone come to church with me come to church with me come to church with me and they want to Silence me. I said silence. They want to silence me and at long last they come to church and then I think my job is done. And even though the church is a great witness, rather what we're talking about when we live on mission and as a team sport is something different. It is involving the community to help you where you live and build relationships with the people outside of church. It's not just up to you to love someone or to pray for someone or to build relationship with someone you want to involve the community around you that's why our smaller groups our band of people living together we call them missional communities it's people doing life together living on mission together so that we can better support one another and here's what it looks like as you start building these relationships with people around you the first step is to have everyone in your mission or community pray for that person pray for those individuals. The great thing about praying for someone is even if the rest of the people in your missional group hasn't met them yet, you already start to love them. You already start to care for them. It already starts to change the attitude so that when you at long last meet that individual, there's already a relationship with them without them even knowing it. Then you start to look for opportunities to love and serve them, and it might be helping them move or garden work or actually providing food when someone's just had a baby. And as you start to get to know them, you'll probably know what are their interests and their hobbies, whatever they, whether they enjoy ballet or running or watching a game. And that's when we start doing things with them and having some of the missional community members involved. Hosting a watch party, doing a group hike, doing things where we can build relationship with them, but also introduce them to the larger faith community. And this is why this is such an important point. Not only are they seeing and hearing and experiencing the gospel from you, but the moment you invite the rest of the mission or community, they're getting a larger picture of the gospel. They're hearing the gospel explained and lived out from different avenues. It's like different pieces of the puzzle, the mosaic of God's glory coming together. It's only after multiple brides and socials and intentional conversations that we then invite them to church. It might happen sooner, but rather expecting people to come in, we want to go out and love them where people are and serve them there. We want them to get to know the community and we want our community to come alongside us, helping and loving and serving that person. And so even right now, if you're daunted by the fact of the reality of hearing that you're a missionary and it is expected, it is a commission by God that we are to be witnesses to the whole world. You can realize and have peace of mind that God hasn't given this alone to you. You've got this band of brothers and sisters alongside you that can help you and support you as we reach the people around us. We're not doing this alone. Family, use the gift of the church and community and the beauty that comes along with that. This is what it means, being mission-minded, is that we're not doing this by ourselves, but God has sent us as the church. Not only has he given the church as a gift to aid us, not only has he given the gospel identity, but he also gave his spirit. To live mission-minded, we need to be in step with the spirit. Acts 1 verse 8 says the following. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is one of the primary functions of the Holy Spirit as we read the New Testament, especially also the book of Acts. We see the Spirit of God helping believers in many ways, but one of the main ways in to empower believers for this specific act to witness to the world to the glorious love of Christ. Not just to feel empowered, not to feel strong, but actually to witness for God. We have this great divine power inside of us, ready to empower us for the work, and yet, I don't know if it's just me, it doesn't always feel that way. We, we, we realize that we have this power of God and And yet I feel scared or unsure, uncertain, daunted by this fact. I don't always feel empowered to go and share the gospel. In fact, I feel weak and scared by this thought. And for many of us, this is because we are empowered as we start sharing the gospel. In those times when we cry out to God for someone's heart, when we move into the uncertain space and into those conversations, when we build a relationship, that's when the power kicks in. Not before. It's like a house connected to the power grid. You have the power, you have the electricity, but you can't see it. You don't feel it. It's only when you start using it that you can experience it. When you start plugging in and switching on appliances that the power becomes apparent and that's the same with the Spirit. We have this power within us. We have the Holy Spirit empowering us but it only starts to manifest as we start doing what we're supposed to be doing which is witnessing for God. And the first way to access this power is through prayer. Prayer is an amazing And terribly challenging thing. (laughs) God uses it mightily, but it doesn't always feel that way. And it's always difficult to start praying when we don't see the results immediately. Yet, this is where we see our faith. If we truly believe that God does have the power to change people's hearts, if we truly believe that the gospel is beautiful enough for people to be attracted and changed by that, then we would pray. We would pray frequently and fervently for people's hearts to turn to God, to be plugged in. And so family, to experience this working of the Holy Spirit, we need to pray for those experiencing pain, for those that are desperately lost in need of a Savior. The fruit of being in step of the Spirit and trying to be led by the Spirit We see in verse 14, it says, For the love of Christ controls us. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Once we are in step with the Spirit, we will start experiencing and living out more this heart of Christ. The love of Christ controls us, compels us. We might be offended by people and we should be repulsed by sin. But as Christians, we are able to look past those people and past the sin and we see them for who they really are, people in desperate need of the gospel. Even though we might be offended by the sin, we want to develop a love for the sinner, I am a sinner in need of grace and so is this person. You no longer regard this person according to the flesh. You long for that person to know Christ and with many tears we cry out to the Lord, please save them, here I am, use me. Not only does keeping in step with the Spirit with God develop this dependency about, uh, on God of empowering us for this work, but we're also continually made more sensitive to the work of the Spirit. Being Spirit-dependent and being Spirit-led is almost like developing a second language. And many of us have experienced this, this prompting of the Spirit to call someone, the prompting of the Spirit to actually go and talk with that person, the prompting of the Spirit to actually care for someone in need in the community. The Spirit wants to lead us and the more we are in line with Christ's heart and the more we actually respond to the working of the Spirit, the sooner we start recognizing it in the future as well. The sooner we can actually be more led by the Spirit, helping us know when and how to engage with conversations. Developing wisdom and work strategies, how to be professional in a work environment and yet be gracious. How to recognize when someone is experiencing a particular need and to be able to go and speak with them and share the gospel. Not only has God called you for this family, but he has equipped you with his spirit. He's given you a faith community support and alongside you. And so being mission-minded, recognize that, that this is who we are. This is what we're called to. This is what we're empowered by. But lastly, it also recognizes the urgency of the situation and that's why we want to be intentional with what we're doing. There are people who do not know God and they are in danger of not knowing him for all eternity. The love of Christ compels us. Read with me verses 20 to 21 and we're almost there. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are these ambassadors. We are the ministers of reconciliation. God could have chosen angels to do this work, and yet he chose us. This is his evangelistic strategy. God gave the church. He gave the Christians. It is a great privilege, but it's also an an immense responsibility. How can we make the most of these 70 odd years on earth? That is why part of being mission-minded means that we want to be intentional in what we're doing, using every and all opportunities to love people and have gospel conversations with them. In the words of John Piper, not wasting our lives. And yet again, if you're anything like me, this urgency shouldn't make you nervous, but rather marvel at God's sovereignty. Being intentional means we start asking questions about where God has placed us and how he can make use of us in those situations and opportunities. Where do you work or gym or run? What are the hobbies you have and enjoy doing? What are, where do you live does that place have a homeowner's association? Where do your kids go to school? What are their friends and teachers? Without even trying to find people, God has placed you in a plethora of people and relationships around you. Within your weekly rhythms already, God has put us into contact with so many different people that actually don't know him. Being intentional is then not just waiting for an opportunity to love and serve people when they start to uh, waiting for them to approach us, waiting for them to ask questions about us. But we want to go to them. We want to create spaces where we can build relationships, where we can have conversations with them. If you're going for a morning walk, why not invite the person in your neighborhood that you know enjoys walking as well? If you're going to watch the game, why not invite friends from work that want to do that as well? No matter how busy life gets, we all need to eat. Why not have lunches and dinners where you surround your table with people that you want to spend time with? Have people over. Bring meals to them. Go to their homes. Start building relationship with me. And if you're anything like me, like me, and believe it or not, I am an introvert, no matter what everyone says. This isn't always the easy thing to be doing. And it's not the natural reaction that I have. And we shouldn't try and do this with everyone and burning ourselves out. No, maybe start and be strategic with the one or two people in your life that you want to have intentional conversations and intentional relationships with that are already part of your normal circums, uh, circles and life rhythms. Mission-minded is identity-driven, community, spirit, and intentional. So let's remind ourselves just quickly that the love of Christ compels me. I'm a new creation. I want to move beyond my comfort zone, even though I'm an introvert. And then start involving your community, your mission or community. Tell them about the person. Ask them maybe for for some wisdom on how to reach, how to create conversations. Start praying for this person. Tell your mission or community to pray with you. Pray for your own heart to love that person. Get to know the community that that person is a part of. Then start looking how you can start building a relationship. How can you start loving and serving them? How can you start listening to their life story? Ask questions about what makes them tick? Look for times when you can start sharing your life story. And as you start sharing, what will come out is that you're a Christian and that God has really been good to you as they ask questions about you. Little by little, you and the community around you get the opportunity to share the gospel and get to know this person and invite them into different spaces and at different times and in different ways. So family, in closing, this is such an important point. And everything that we do in all our pursuits, this is what we want to do. Yes, we want to demonstrate the gospel through our love and our deeds. We do want to pray. We do want to build relationship, but ultimately, we want to share the words of the gospel. We want to illustrate it through the community and our relationships, but at the end of the day, we should proclaim it and share the good news of Jesus. And it can be as simple as explaining how you were lost, but through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, you have been saved from wrath, and you are now reconciled with God, enjoying this relationship with Him, and looking forward to spending eternity with Him. In all our endeavors, the church worship service is great, and we want them to hear the words of the Bible, but you... There's no one better equipped to reach the people around them than you right now. This is who we are. That's what we want to proclaim to the glory of God. Amen. Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for this family, these people called to live with us and do life with us and to live on mission together. Um, And yes, it can be so scary. Think about the fact that this is it. We're the ones called. No one else is going to reach our neighborhood or our friends or our colleagues or our family. You have already called us. And yet, even as we're daunted by this challenge and this fact, Father, we recognize that we've been equipped. We've tasted the gospel. We've experienced this goodness and this love. We have these friends and family that can pray with us. And so, Father, we pray, use us. Help us that we move beyond our comfort zones. Help us that even within this midst, we have people that will move further than just this area or Pretoria or Kauteng or South Africa. We pray that even as we have this culture of reaching the people around us, some people will feel called to go even further abroad to reach others. We see even in the church of Antioch as they were reaching the city, they were already commissioning Paul and Barnabas to go and reach the unknown world. Father, may this be a shining light, a city on a hill. May we be Christians with purpose, not just simply enjoying the Christian life, but those who have been called as well. And we know you do this through your grace. And even in our failings, you use us. How good is that? That even in our broken attempts to explain the gospel and when we get it wrong time and time and again, and even as Zane shared, at times we even lose our cool at work. And yet you even use those broken efforts to shine the gospel that it's not dependent on how good we are and our good example, but rather how good the love and grace of Jesus is. For that we love you. And we praise you. We are earthen vessels. You use our cracks to display your glorious love and light. Amen.